You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Absent Minded, uh, Eyes on the Prize production. And um, I'm going to start before introducing my famous guest and uh, the missing person as well. Uh, I'm going to say something about what we saw in Toronto this weekend and uh, the scenes of one of the all-time greats in Toronto and in Swedish hockey uh, was back under terrible circumstances, suffering from the terrible, terrible disease that is ALS. Um, was very solemn. Got a great standing ovation. We still talk about those that moment, Canada Cup and Toronto stood on their feet for five minutes. And it was reminiscence of that. And I just want to give a shout out to if you have any charity we want to go go and feed some money to. You got Saka Koivo, obviously, in, in Montreal with, with whatever he went through. But ALS, terrible disease. If you want to find some money, very solid asset foundation set up. And and uh, I just wanted to give it a shout out and then uh, give some credit to Toronto to show some respect for an old-time player. Not as old. But almost as gorgeous is the guest that is here today, and it's uh, Jason Paul and uh, Africa. Jason, it certainly suits Africa. you. Yeah, so happy to be here. Um, the whole uh, ceremonies with the players, the older players, and it, I love it. That's one of the best things about uh, sports, I think, is that they're so good at leaning back and looking back and celebrating the past, and we don't forget the players and all the commitments. That was fantastic. Indeed, and uh, because I know everyone is waiting for an update, we have no idea where Anton is. The fugitive <laughs> is literally he's gone. <laughs> we will have to hear about what his his trip, wherever he is next time. But right now, I'm here with Jason, and obviously, we we should have started with that you know scene from uh, from the Lion King, you know, with uh, holding up the babe and and everything and the uh, circle of life. But yeah, but, it is. But, it's well uh, down here. I was, my, my wife was away uh, last week, and uh, we have all kinds of animals here. We have like, we have a Canadian American cocker spaniel, fourteen year old. We have a Canadian cat here, and uh, I have to make sure that they stay alive while she's gone. And it's it is nerve wracking, you know. It's you know ten o'clock at night, going to bed. It's dark outside, and all of a sudden, I can't find the the cat, <laughs> and I have to go searching outside for it. So. So far, so good. Knock on wood. No animals have been eaten. Well, or, or poisoned. Let's let's start with that as poisoned. well. Yeah. Uh, obviously, with Jason here, we're going to talk the defense, and it's an exciting young defense that uh, that that is is showing their first steps really in Montreal. We both have, and we owe each other a beer. I think whenever we meet up and yeah and, and uh, the best. because you said the harris best. would would stay up and i said ghoulie and uh, we were both wrong because uh, shekai stayed up as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, no those but, are the good bets and uh i think we did well there yeah pretty incredible think, yeah and, and obviously kovacevic coming in as well um bringing some some extra youth into the program and and a different skill set as well and we spoke about it a little bit and there are different before we started recording we, we spoke about it and there are different skill sets there are some similarities between the players but there is also some differences and and it seems like martin san louis is cherishing those kind of, of differences rather than the old regime that trying to make everyone into a certain mold of player 
rather than be your own player, but make sure you fit into the team. I think that's probably a, um, a positive of having an ex-superstar as your coach, right? So he sees maybe the individual play as super important. And um, it's something I tweeted last week where, you know, maybe the most exciting thing about the team or the young players is is the the um, the toolbox, all the different tools they have here now. It's, it's quite incredible. And I think Harris is kind of – the reason why I picked Harris to make the team at the beginning of the year over – if I had to choose one over everybody else, was because he had such a different toolbox uh, that the Habs really don't have down the line up there. So, and I think maybe the, the irony of that is, is that he's not exactly doing what I thought he would be doing. I thought he'd be in the power play. I thought mm-hmm. he'd be more of the offensive threat. And it's quite the opposite. He's his game is kind of you know in check. He's not being, he's not overextending himself. It doesn't look like he's trying you know, to make too much offense and, um, and defensively, the defensive metrics are, he's, he's got some of the best on the team. Yeah. You, you right before we start recording this, you find it at Jason's uh, Twitter and you find uh, Jason at wave Intel at Twitter as well, put down some fantastic graphs and, and make sure to, to follow him and make sure to, to look and understand these graphs is Gordon Harris is more or less smack in the middle. In, in in origo or as, as we say in mathematics right just starting with the team in general um you know if you're following analytics people on twitter like myself you might hear that um you would be seeing tweets talking about the fact that the underlying numbers don't match the the outcomes of the games and outcomes of the of the play of the habs they're scoring more than they should be they're winning more than they should be and i think that's there's quite a bit of truth to that their expected goals against and goals for is, is uh, not as good as as the actual goals are happening. That's, you know, you've got inflated shooting percentages. You have uh, strong goaltending that's covering up for some defensive laps. And then you end up getting lots of wins, which which is happening right now. But if you look, look at the individual players, the D-men on the team, um, they're doing quite well. Uh, the three rookies, uh, Guli, Harris, Kovacevic, are all three of them are above average if you t- if you use the expected goals against, which is a defensive metric uh, in the league. So that's really good. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting to hear, and and uh, obviously we have this team that is greater than the sum of its parts really uh, i think that's another way of putting it in, in hot air uh but when it is steadily rising and we expect it to pan out over time like could the underlying metrics go the other way and actually you know come closer to the hot air or or um do you expect yeah, it to I regress th- yeah i think most people would expect it to regress but um you can kind of maybe put the brakes on the regression if you increase your um, underlying metrics, right? So if you, if you, you know, in just not using analytics terms, if you're just, you know, stop the, um, the breakdowns and that kind of stuff. I think one of the most interesting things I've seen in the last seven games is um, the past two games, they've had positive, um underlying metrics compared to the previous seven so you can already see that they're actually getting better um i would say 
the past three or four games, I think they've looked pretty sharp when it comes to execution and moving the puck quickly. Um, so it's possible that they can continually to get better and kind of meet halfway, a little bit of regression maybe, and a little bit of improving the play in general could kind of meet halfway. We, we still have the situation, you know, you need to send someone down because Madison is on the way back. Uh, we also, uh, or, or put someone on waivers, we also expect no matter the the uh, situation that Montreal is in, to be, then we expect Montreal to be sellers at the deadline. Uh, do you foresee any of those changing? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think I think that um, management and was pretty clear that this is like you know the priorities development, right? Um, and even just with the decor, you can kind of maybe even see that with um, Jack Eye. Um, you know his numbers are not fantastic. Um, Marty St. Louis is protecting him, so he's getting isolated minutes doesn't really see the other team's top lines at all. So I look at that and I say, okay, they're they're being really smart. They really want to grow this this player. They really want to get him to get some um experience, so they're keeping him there. If if they had to win tomorrow, I don't know, maybe they would have somebody else up in that spot. Maybe they'd make a trade. Um but I think this is totally about development. We saw uh, uh, Jay Fresh from uh on Twitter, put that out that uh, Shekai was a zero percentage player, uh, <laughs> yeah. according to his metric, and, and obviously the discussion took took off from there. Um, how do you rate Shekai from from underlying numbers and and uh, from your graphs? Yeah, I mean he, you know, the the graphs I use are are very similar to what um, what other people are using, and and. Good thing about the stuff that um, Joe Fresh has is they they you know the the war and the the game metrics are trying to put everything together. They're trying to put the, you know the um, quality of competition, quality of uh, teammate together, and they're trying to get a a more holistic number, taking all that stuff into consideration. So it's right. He's true. I mean, I posted some things that um, one of the recent games he he didn't even touch the ice. With, against the first line. So, you know, that's an indicator that the coach realizes that he needs some seasoning before he can go up to uh, against the best uh, best players. Just just using my eye, and I think a lot of people can see it with Jack Eye as well. He's, you know, he gets beat. He makes some some mistakes here and there. Um, but the kid's playing in the NHL, man, and he's, he's even getting some uh, power play time, which is a bit surprising, I think. He's it's getting hard. something that... Yeah, the, some of the things that, that I think the the coach loves about him is he gets the puck on the net, so he's getting yeah. the ice. And and also let's remember it's his first year in in NHL for and uh, you know I would assume we all make a few mistakes on our first year at any new job that we have, especially if we move upwards in into another organization or upwards within the company as well. Uh, so so you have to remember that it's 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 part of a progression going forward. Um, looking though at, at your graph and uh, and uh, the defense, one thing that I took up with you is is really Kovacevic or Kovacevic, um, and and where he's located in part of the other because he is in that quadrant where you want your defense to be really 
strong chance suppression and strong chance generation. Yeah, it's it's quite amazing, you know. And um, you know, I love I love stats and and watching the first four or five games. It's really interesting to see what kind what the style of play a player needs to have good good outcomes, right? Whether it's underlying metrics or actual goals for and goals against. And he's he's placed at the top of the, at the top of the Montreal uh, chain food chain for the defenseman when it comes to that, which is a little bit surprising. And you know you might think, okay, he's he's isolated like uh, Jacki, but he's not. Him and Harris are are playing big minutes, and they're playing against uh, some pretty stiff competition. So it's quite amazing. I think it's I think this when you look at this graph, and and I'll post it after uh, so that your listeners can see. Um, I I do think it's quite incredible that the three rookies are in the in the two quadrants that are above the NHL average for defensive play. And I think it's kind of a win for the analytics community. You, the, you know, mm-hmm. analytics people believe the more you have the puck, puck, the more you have it on the offensive side, the better your defensive metrics are going to be as well because mm-hmm. you're not playing in your in your D end. It's just as simple as that. And I think the risks that these these guys are taking in the neutral zone, whether it's moving the puck up, whether it's pinching, um, these things are working in their favor to have really good underlying statistics. Is Jordan Harris and and Kovacevic a a pairing going forward for a long time? Could could be right. Like they they separated um, Marty Saint Louis separated him for I'm not sure if it was two games or just one game when Edmondson came back, and uh, he quickly came back in the lineup because that pair you know is doing very well and the stats are showing that. I think it's kind of what we said at the top of the podcast. Um, the tools, the different the different styles of players that they have, the, the different kind of looks that they can give the opponents is something new that the Habs have not had in the past, you know, four, five, six years under um, under Bergevin. They've had that mold, they've had that style of player, and these players kind of stick stand out as having these different tools, right? Like Harris to me is, um, you know, he's that very calm, economical style. Um, player very good positionally very high iq he doesn't he doesn't overplay and kovacevic is uh you know that bigger defenseman who has that range uh you know and they seem to work very well a a peter popovich kind of player for us that remember the good old swedish yeah peter popovich (laughs) that's right yeah yeah and and a modern day one though right he's these he's uh, Kovacevic moves the puck. He tries, and I think Marty St. Louis likes that. Uh, there was a play last game. He made a mistake. He tried. He held onto the puck a bit too long, trying to get out of his end. But Marty St. Louis is not penalizing these players for that because they have to. They have to make those plays to, uh, you know, to push push the offense a bit. And I, I know Roger for uh, Roger Runberg in Fredla. He has this quote where he compares himself to a gardener, and and this is really the the season before the season with the harvest in it, or maybe even two seasons ahead of the harvest for Martin San Louis, he needs these guys to do those kind of stakes and he can adjust it. He can adjust the temperature. He can adjust, you know, the water math or, or, or the, the kind of fertilizer he uses, or, or if he needs to put in some other plants to work better as, as a general 
and he's going to reap the rewards come harvest time. But harvest time for Martin Saint Louis is really two, maybe three years from now. That's that's a great analogy. I love it, and um, I think it's so true. And he, you hear this in interviews here and there. He, I think he said a couple of weeks ago, you know, he doesn't want to overwhelm players by giving them three or four, 20 things to work on. You know, I think it's clear with this, these defensemen that have come up, he has given them that stereotypical, you know, go ahead and play your game. And it's pretty clear. They're all, they're not scared. Jack Eye is not scared to pinch. Um, these guys are not scared to play their game. Let them play their game, establish their game in the NHL. And then, like you said, maybe when harvest time comes, a year or two or three from now, then they can start maybe concentrating a bit more on defensive play, classic. Yeah, or, or, or they'd be ready to to have you, you've already in, instructed them in that because you've had such a long project to 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 put them. So when you go into the playoffs with with a chance to win it, maybe they are already there. You don't have to even consider exactly. that they that they yeah. might do a mistake. You just know that they won't because you prepare them for it. Exactly. Um, you, I think. In, yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll just cut in. And I think, you know, strategically, uh, obviously Hughes believes this, is that, you know, it's so much easier to find a defensive defenseman, you know, a third mm-hmm. or fourth or fifth pairing Q uh, uh, defenseman, than it is to find, you know, an Adam Fox or someone who can move the puck. So you might as well get that out of Gooley or Harris. And find out and let that offensive game flourish, rather than you know uh, mute it and get them to play, get them to play like uh, you know Shea Weber or somebody that's mm-hmm. all defense kind of thing. But looking at two of them at least uh, of the players that are in the wrong quadrant or or how you want to put it is Joel Edmondson and David Savard. What, what can we expect from them going forward? Um, they are obviously older. There should be in a bit of a decline, but but uh, you would expect them to be part of, of leading this squad. But looking at your your diagram, it's it looks so, more like they are the the sinkers. <laughs> it's so true, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that's why you, David Savard gets a lot of grief from the uh, analytics community on uh, on Twitter. Um, I mean, you can't gut the whole team of your your veteran players, but you know, I'm starting to get more and more convinced that you can you can err on the side of of gutting more than than uh, you could maybe in previous years. I, I really think that maybe Edmondson and Savard. First of all, Joel Edmondson just got back, so mm-hmm. you know you got to give him some slack. He hasn't got in the groove yet. Um, but they're kind of the old guard, and you know, if you played a few years. Uh, under the old system, maybe it's just hard to get that mind out. Um, but you know, it, it's hard to say. I think I think you will see these guys go, whether it's at this uh, trade deadline or or in next summer or the summer after. They're eventually moving them out. And I, I really like that that Marty St. Louis is not scared to um, move players out or down in the lineup. Joel Edmondson uh, in last night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, he he was paired with with uh, Jack Eye and he pretty much got the bottom pair minutes. He was not, they, they tried to isolate that pair against uh, the top two lines for the Penguins. And it was pretty evident, which is super, super cool. cool. Um, you know, considering they just, they're, they're instead of putting Harris and uh, Kovacevic down in that, that slot, they really trust those kids. Indeed. And uh, 
going back to one of the discussions that we always have when you were a guest on the pod, it is really Romanov. He's uh, <laughs> been struggling a little bit in, in uh, the aisles. I know that uh, his value was really at the top of the... Um, uh, right before he made his NHL debut. Um, and that's probably where you should have traded him. Uh, he's still a favorite of mine and uh, he's always going to be that. And um, uh, but, but what you have to th- consider still is that someone told me, a few scouts told me at different uh, national tournaments in Sweden that in a re- redraft, uh, Romanov would probably go top five. That was before he had played in the NHL. He, he, probably isn't going to go there in a redraft right now. And I'm not saying that he ever will be up there again. But it's fantastic to consider that with Romanov, Montreal got a, uh, for a 32nd pick or 35th pick, um, they, they, which they used on Romanov, uh, they got a, 12th, uh, a 13th pick in the 2022 NHL draft, which they then traded Kirby Dak, who is the number three pick in his draft year. Um, really, really interesting. So in the end, Romanov was worth uh, a, a third overall pick. And, and we spoke about it and we don't have the numbers maybe and we don't want to maybe go into the numbers. But Dak looks really good on that first line. Does he ever? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's peaking in that line. Probably since he got there, has got to be one of the best lines in the league. Um, can they sustain that? Not sure. But the fact of the matter is, you know, Doc's playing first line minutes and, you know, he's still very young. So, you know, if you're a Habs fan, even if you're a Romanov fan, you have to be happy with the bare minimum fact that they got lots of value out of Romanov. He's just not playing in, in a Habs uniform. You obviously have your model, and I'm going to go back into to, to your model and, and com- maybe talk about, because one of the things that people are saying is that, you know, Suzuki's uh, shooting percentage is, is it 17% right now? I'm not sure after last night's game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's unsustainable. And, and, and I get that. Uh, I totally get that. I think, what was it, uh, Line had in his first year or second year, 22% or, or something like that over a season, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you think about it. But let's say it regresses to 12. At, at one point, you, you might, when you put him with a shooter and another center, essentially, uh, that creates space for you and, and you get a few more rebounds to get in or people lean on him to, to cover the shooter a bit more. And arguably one of the better shooters in the NHL right now, Cole Caulfield, uh, you're going to get maybe a more open chance to put it on the net. But where can we, first and foremost, expect Suzuki's uh, regression to be at and and maybe more interestingly when do you start adjust your your model because essentially any model would be a normalization curve moving on on the axis up and down uh, left or right uh, and, and you're tr- trying to fine-tune that and you're trying to predict where everyone would be after certain stuff um, that's how it works in betting that's how it works for for ice hockey analytics from from what I know, at least, and and the god of mischief is back and better than ever. Loki, 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 Loki! Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous, great, and it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Ooh. 
spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. There will always be players that break a mold. We know that. Or, or, or a model. But can we expect Nick Suzuki to be one of them? And when again, when do we change? When do you change your model? When do you start moving those uh, to go with the garden gardener uh, analogy? Yeah. Again, when do you start to, <laughs> to 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 change the fertilizer or or put a little bit of more hotter water in or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't think the the models per se are going to change because I mean the the shooting percentage bit is is a you know, we've got lots yeah, of historical data that says yeah. you know. Gretzky is not going to keep up 25% shooting percentage. You know what I mean? So that that's not going to change. But what, you know, you ask me, can Suzuki keep this up? I I mean, I, I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say yes with an asterisk. Of course, there's going to be a regression. You can't, you can't stay on a super high shooting percentage. But I mean, the best players, scorers in the league shoot at a pretty high percentage, right? So you've mm-hmm. got o- Ovechkin last last year shot at a 15% shooting percentage, right? And you have and certain he's players in a decline that, as well. So <laughs> yeah, he's a decline. So um there's there's a few things that are gonna that can happen here. First of all, let's start at the team level. Montreal is defying um uh, what they say analytics, you know, like they mm-hmm. like the Islanders the past few years, people would say, oh they're defying analytics because they they're winning but they're underlying numbers are terrible you know i'm a i'm a firm believer that you know of course you can't keep up if your underlying numbers are not that good but there are always outliers because a team plays a different way you know so it's all the underlying numbers are are based on shot metrics quality shot metrics expected goals um but if you play a certain kind of game which is don't you don't shoot very much and you you're you're trying for different kinds of you know one-time angles and you're so basically you're shooting less but you're trying to get a higher quality shot um you know the 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 models that are like open to the public don't really can't really keep up with that you know that kind of a style right so uh you know trying not to get too confusing here it, there's a possibility that they can be an outlier maybe for a year maybe for half a year um, until other teams maybe get onto them a bit and play them a little bit harder. Um, so we can see that come down. But I think the big thing for Nick Suzuki and the whole team is, yeah, they can't keep that up at five and five maybe, but their power play hasn't been that great. And so maybe they can gain a bit by scoring more in the power play. Maybe they can gain a bit by having a better, better underlying numbers. And I said at the top of the podcast, the past two games they've had, they've outchanced uh, the other team. So there's an indication that they're actually getting better uh, on the underlying bit. Uh, you can see with with the eye test, they're controlling the game a bit more. Mm-hmm. They're not, you know, they look very well. They look very decisive and connected out there right now. So things look pretty good right now. And you know I love Suzuki, right? So We all do. <laughs> What's not love? <laughs> Who doesn't love Suzuki? You know, so... The model. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just think he's an absolutely wonderful player. I, I I marvel at players that don't seem to have all, you know, 10 out of 10 physical attributes. Not not the blazing speed, not the massive shot, not he's not 6'4, 220 pounds. He's he's able to stack his his uh, qualities in a way that like, you know, 
the sum of its parts are much better. He he's such a um uh slippery and um everything is with deception. Everything he does is with deception and it's something that you can't it's not as easily to, it's not as easy to see as a player like Ovechkin or someone, you know, like uh uh even Druin. Like Druin could be the opposite of Suzuki. You look at Druin and you say, "Wow, those tools are pretty amazing. He's very fast. He's to handle so fast. He shoots hard, you know." But he's he's less able to put that package together to have big impact on the ice. Yeah, and and maybe it's also the it's hard to measure that uh, capacity inside the head uh, and and the speed uh, where you calculate stuff and and as you mentioned how to deceive other players uh, with with that kind of uh, skill as well, which is. It's 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 so easy to quantify certain aspects. You can get ninety nine on on the on the speed test, or you can get this on 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 the strength test or whatnot. But mm. intelligence tests or or logical tests and stuff, those are not created. You know, those are not the best ones either. And and I I keep coming back to this. What Montreal put up at the draft when they said we we had we had spider we had a we had lions, we had a lot of lions, but we only had one female lion. And I'm sure Montreal drafted that person that was the female lion. Uh, but, but you know, you need those players that think a little bit outside the box and, and think a little bit different and, and make their some of their parts become stronger uh, than they, they, they really are. Um, Jason Paul, uh, wave in, tell a Twitter, follow him there. Um, follow him for also the good stories about Africa whenever he's on the pod here. Uh, but um, parting shots with the defense, what are we going to expect? What, what do you expect to see in the next uh, fifth of the season? Because it's been 15 games. So it's almost a little bit more than a fifth of the season has gone. Yeah, I, I tweeted out before the beginning of the season. I said, look, you know, this should be an offense. Everyone is expecting the team to be an offensive team and do well. Um, and I kind of try to dampen that down and say, look, you know, it's not easy to score in the NHL. You know, they could come out hard, but as soon as the other teams start to get that, you know, playoff instinct in, the other teams are going to play a little bit harder. They're going to get to know Gooley. They're going to get to know Harris, and they're going to focus in on them a bit. And, you know, I think I'm happy to say that I'm I'm probably a little bit wrong on that. I think they've already gone through that a little bit. I think Gooley has been targeted quite a bit physically, and he just keeps going. Um so I'm really interested to see if they're going to fall off the cliff. You know, is Harris going to be able to put up, play these many games? Are they going to get tired? Um, yeah. I I still think that there's probably going to be a little bit of a letdown at some point, maybe December, January. They're going to start to take a dip. But um, hopefully they can maybe do the opposite, which is gain a bit more confidence and keep going. So of those three young defensemen, or four, sorry, I keep saying three. Mm-hmm. You can add Jack Eye in there. Like it'll be interesting to see. Will all of them keep going? Will one of them drop? Will they all drop? Um, if you had to put your money on it, how how do you see that? Because we got to have the second secondary bet now with Harris and Gooley. <laughs> <laughs> For more beer. More <laughs> beer. <laughs> or who who who's offering the barbecue for the other person whenever we see each other? Yeah, uh, yeah but um, yeah, I mean, I think Ma- Matheson's I think- gonna. Yeah, go ahead. I think Goulet will. Um, 
will still be stable. I think Gulen might have more stamina. I mean, he's. I, I like the fact that he's so smart in many ways uh, defensively, and he's not showing up offensively because he's taking, making sure he sorts out everything defensively first. And I think doing both things as Harris do, and for the first season really, uh, might impact him further, like the longer the season progresses. But but mm-hmm. I mean, like obviously those two. It's going to be a hair split between them at the end, I think, and it's what kind of preference you prefer. And and you stated it very well, Jason. And and uh, it's it's easier maybe to get a full defensive kind of guy, but it's kind of neat to have one as well, and not having to go out and look for them, especially if it's a a player in the caliber of, say, Shea Weber that you know, we just shut down. Um, the uh, someone that is super strong defensively. Um, just um, and and you know, not everyone can be an Eric Carlson. Not everyone can be who is on a great pace again. Let's be honest with that. Proper Rob is it in in Philly, right? You know, he's kind of that guy that always flies under the radar. And I expect Gula to be one of those guys as well. You don't realize how good they are because you actually play them a few more times than more than normal, and and preferably in a playoff run or something where you. Where you see them over such short of a time, and and I think Gula has the capacity of being one of those guys. Uh, and in order to have Eric Carlson, you need someone on the other side that uh, that that can actually help him be Eric Carlson as well. And I think if you have that in the system, you're not trading them away. And and Gula is that kind of player for me. You love Gouli, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah, I. I... I think the the obvious stuff is Matheson's coming back at some point, and yeah. uh, Jacki is probably the the best candidate to go go down. There, there are uh, two different schools of that as well. Either you lose Wiedemann or or, or someone else on on waivers, or or maybe even don't lose him on waivers, mm-hmm. and you just send him down. Uh, yeah, uh, and For sure, and and that's one version of doing it. Um, if you don't want to risk it, you send Jacki. Mm-hmm. I understand, but but yeah, and sorry for barging. But they also probably your... want Jack. <laughs> no, no, they probably want Jack I to play as well, right? Yeah. So you know you don't want to go too long. So and injuries happen all the time. So mm-hmm. it seems they have a they have the top you know um, six seven guys that they want there. They know who they are, and the young kids are there. It's, it's quite incredible that for for the. Uh, six or rookies yeah it's insane and and also having a pretty solid uh backup uh line coming or with the defenders coming into the organization uh, behind these youngsters and, and they will think very highly of, of a program that obviously gives uh the young ones such an opportunity to play in the nhl as well mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is quite incredible that Jack I is is running the power play. <laughs> <laughs> it's because the others need some rest. <laughs> yeah, and I, I maybe we we just don't know what's happening behind closed doors, right? Yeah. Like it's quite possible that they have Jack I slated to go down at some point, and they want to give him every opportunity right now. 
Um, maybe they know what they have in Gooley and Harris. So, you know, if they can put them, those two guys on the power play as well, but they want to just test run Jack eye. So that fits the mold of the development year. So would not surprise me at all that that's the thought process. Indeed. You've been listening to Patrick Bexel and especially Jason Paul here at Absent Minded. We thank you all for listening. Any mistakes in editing are all mine. Um, <laughs> a small shout out because it's been a fantastic tournament. Um, as many of you that follows me on Twitter knows, I'm a, I really enjoy my rugby. And uh, fantastic tournament with the women's uh, rugby team. Uh, Canada obviously finishing fourth. A shame, especially being very tired <laughs> of pushing England to a great um, battle in the semi-final. And then obviously New Zealand uh, winning on two last-minute plays uh, in both the semi-final and the final to clinch the championship. Go watch some of these rugby because it's better rugby than the men actually are, are playing right now. Sorry for the wrong sport, but uh, always going to get something extra for me. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the hockey season. And uh, Jason Paul, always a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much, Patrick.